You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. The Tuesday edition is here. Hutton Withrow with you and a lot to get to throughout today's show. Glenn Jacobs, mayor of Box County, but also known as Kane from WWE. He will join us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to that chat. Friend of the show. He was with us in Knoxville. Yeah. A little over uh, a year and a half ago. Don't sell him short. He's also known as Isaac Yankum, DDS. That's right. That's true. That was one of his That's characters true. in wrestling. And he's in one of our all-time favorite comedies, MacGruber, where he played a, a character yes. in a short bit in that as well. Uh, you reminded me of that in the uh, earlier in the in the day, and I, I can't wait to get his comments on that. Uh, John McClain joins us every Tuesday. We talk NFL headlines. He will be joining us 20 minutes after the deadline for the franchise tag across the NFL. Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, those are the top two players to watch as the tag, de- uh, the tag deadline approaches. Plus, Kurt Schilling is going to join us every other week, and that starts today. He'll join us in hour number three. You can check out the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show at OutKick.com. It drops every Tuesday and Friday. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited. Ready to go. Big show today. Uh, the biggest news of the day thus far is Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. Woody Johnson the owner of the New York Jets. He is on his way to California, probably landing right now to meet in person with Aaron Rodgers as the Green Bay Packers have allowed conversations to go on between the Jets and Rodgers. Rodgers is plan A for the New York Jets. Derek Carr was plan B. There is no plan B now. They have to be all in if they want the veteran QB because there is a significant drop-off after that. They'd like to keep Zach Wilson They'd really like to bring on Aaron Rodgers via trade. $59.5 million is what he's owed in 2023 from the current contract for Green Bay. The Jets are going to have to make some cap moves, potentially Corey Davis. Carl Lawson could also be on the chopping block to save money, nearly $30 million combined, by making those moves. So this isn't going to be something that happens overnight. He may agree to terms. They can't officially announce it until they get under the cap because they have to be under the cap by March 15th. That's next Wednesday. Point being, a year ago to the day, we saw Aaron Rodgers release a statement and the Packers that Rodgers was coming back to Green Bay. And about an hour later, Russell Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett is now in New York. And a year later, the Packers have allowed Rodgers and his camp to speak to the New York Jets. Let's get this deal done. The Packers a year later need to move on. We heard from Gutenkust who said he believes that Jordan Love is is ready for the starting role, and they're tired of the year-after-year-after-year saga. That's pretty clear. The Jets are a good team. They have a chance to be great based on the addition of Rodgers. One- or two-year deal, and don't rule out this. Rodgers could retire, quote-unquote, to save some time if he needs to think things over, and the Packers can move on with some finality to the franchise QB and future Hall of Famer that's going to end his career elsewhere. At least that's the feeling. Chad, thinking about the roster with Garrett Wilson at wide receiver, rookie of the year, 
Corey Davis could be there, probably not, based on what they're going to save. He only counts a million dollars against their cap, and they can save upwards of 18 by moving him. But they have Elijah Moore, they have Braxton Berrios, two solid tight ends, plus Brees Hall at running back. They have the 13th overall selection, and they can invest in Rodgers over a one- or two-year deal that allows the Jets to be contenders instead of playoff hopefuls. And we see where we go with this. I think it's the only landing spot right now that we know of for Aaron Rodgers. So if he wants to play, it will be for Woody Johnson and the New York Jets. Let's get this thing done. Yeah. It's what I've been rooting for throughout. It's for best for Aaron Rodgers. Certainly what's best for the Jets of the available options. Let's get this thing moving and get it done now because this is what needs to happen. It's what needs to happen for the Packers also. So it looks like we are getting a little bit closer to that. Hutton, we have breaking news. Let's hear it. Right as we go on air today, Ian Rappaport reporting the Ravens have officially franchise tagged quarterback Lamar Jackson, giving him the non-exclusive tag. So that deadline was coming up today. That is now done. The Ravens have franchise tagged Lamar Jackson. Well, the non-exclusive tag means that he can negotiate with other teams. They are going to allow that to happen. We're starting to see over social media through the national outlets, something that we have been talking about for the last two or three weeks. The Atlanta Falcons are interested in trading for Lamar Jackson. All you have to do is look at the teams who are interested in paying big money for Deshaun Watson and then link that back up to Baltimore's quarterback who wants big money, just like Deshaun Watson. Atlanta was probably the runner-up for Deshaun Watson, uh, what, a year and a half ago. And now it's Lamar Jackson in the sweepstakes. Now, if they come to terms with him, and Baltimore doesn't want to match those terms, Atlanta would have to give up their top two, excuse me, their, their next two first-round picks in exchange for signing their non-exclusive franchise tag player. But Atlanta, it's time to start rolling. They're finally under the cap. They're number two in cap number behind only Chicago. Uh, they've got plenty of room to work with, and they're lacking the QB position. And Arthur Smith... Brought in Mariota last year for a reason. They draft Desmond Ritter for a reason. It's that style of quarterback that he wants in a run-first offense. That would fit Lamar Jackson perfectly. Yeah, Adam Schefter tweeting, and you hit on it. It's the non-exclusive part of this that's really the big story. Adam Schefter tweeting, Raven sent notice to the NFLPA that they placed the $32.41 million non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. He now is allowed to negotiate with other teams. But the Ravens have the right to match any offer sheet he signs or take two first-round picks in return. So that is now where this story is going. You hit on the Falcons part of this. There probably will be others that are going to get into this this game with Lamar Jackson, and we'll see where it goes next. But, but Chad, two really big stories quarterback-wise kind of happening simultaneously right now with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, and now with what's going on with Lamar Jackson. Rodgers and Jackson have both been granted permission to negotiate with other teams. That is what has happened today, officially, based on this non-exclusive tag and what the Packers have already done with Rodgers, who is in California, and the Jets are headed out there to meet with him. In regards to Lamar Jackson, $32 million, a little over 32, is the guarantee for the non-exclusive tag at quarterback. It could have been upwards of 45 if they put the exclusive tag on him. So that, to me, is where you have to really start negotiation. And Jackson's not going to sit around and just take whatever was offered by Baltimore and move it over to another team. 
But now it becomes more about the owner than it does the team. Because Bashadi wasn't going to move off this number. $113 million was the initial offer. And then they started negotiating the counter from Lamar. Then uh, the, the Ravens came back with $135 million around there in their last offer to him that we know of. And so where does the next owner pick up there? Everyone hates Haslam for the guarantees that they gave Watson. And now Lamar Jackson becomes that next guy who's on the open market, and he's allowed to sign any deal he wants to. And I think he knows that the Ravens aren't going to match it if you go above that final offer number from Baltimore. So speaking of the Ravens, GM and Executive Vice President Eric DaCosta has released a statement as of right now Statement reads, having not yet reached a long-term deal with Lamar Jackson, we will use the franchise tag. There have been many instances across the league and in Baltimore when a player has been designated with the franchise tag and signed a long-term deal that same year. We will continue to negotiate in good faith with Lamar, and we are hopeful that we can strike a long-term deal that is fair to both Lamar and the Ravens. Our ultimate goal is to build a championship team with Lamar Jackson leading the way for many years to come. Now it's a game of chicken, though, because you – Instead of just negotiating with the player, they are now negotiating against a team. They're negotiating against the league, the market, right? What whoever's on in the but, market for a quarterback that's going to talk to Lamar Jackson, it's not just one specific team. Those teams are now leveraging their opportunity against the other teams that are doing the same thing, right? So it is you are negotiating not just with Lamar Jackson, you're negotiating with Lamar Jackson against the market for Lamar Jackson, and this may help the Ravens. For all we know, you know, we've talked at, at length about how Lamar Jackson is more valuable to the Ravens than anyone else. Well, will the market dictate that? Is the market going to say that and not overpay for Lamar Jackson? Is it not going to raise the price or is Lamar Jackson going to get out there with everyone else? And maybe what the Ravens are banking on and he's going to find out, hey, man, no one's going to give you a guaranteed contract. No one's going to give you guaranteed money throughout. They're going to offer you about what we're offering you. So then you'll have a decision to make if you want to stay here or go somewhere else. That may be part of this also. Maybe it's yeah. the Ravens banking on the fact that they believe they're right in terms of what teams are willing to offer, and they don't think that any team is going to match what Lamar Jackson's asking price is right now with the Ravens. I don't think we thought Deshaun Watson was going to receive that either. No, he, he, found, he found the right situation it just, but it's that now, was so desperate. I know, and now it just takes one team, and it, that one team is no longer Baltimore. However, they can match any offer. But as we know, this is they're allowing him to go out and get the offer, and then they can compare where they, they find his value versus whatever the owner, the next owner is going to step up and do. Arthur Blank was willing to open up the checkbook for Deshaun Watson. He wasn't given the fully guaranteed $235 million uh, number where every year is 100% guarantee, but it was upwards of... More than 68% guaranteed is what they've offered Lamar Jackson. And now we see the, the cat and mouse game, so to speak. It continues. That's the biggest storyline of the offseason, Baltimore and Lamar. Because Jackson's contract, the next one, will reset the market for either guarantees or just years where you have guarantee money on the front end. Speaking of Burrow, Herbert, uh, Jalen Hurts, and others, maybe Tua down the road, this resets the market based on where Jackson fits in that hierarchy. And we also have Rodgers meeting with the Jets, and that's the only team that seems interested right now uh, based on reports. Even though I think we had the report yesterday that Carolina called about them. Yeah. But it seems as though the Packers have allowed 
the Jets to fly out to California to meet with him. That would that would tie into the AFC NFC um, line of demarcation, the line in the sand where they're willing to trade him to a, the opposite conference, not the NFC. Well, who's who's the Jimmy Haslam? That would be my question now. Who's the desperate owner that's a little bit well, cagey that might make a, a maverick type decision? And give guaranteed money to Lamar Jackson. Is it Arthur Blank? It was. It was. It was close to being them because he was in contention. The now, now also keep this in mind. It, it's him. It was New Orleans. New Orleans was in on Deshaun Watson. They just signed Derek Carr and Miami. But Miami can't get in this discussion now because they don't have a first round pick. So if if they sign Lamar Jackson. Because of tampering with Tom Brady. Right. So if they sign Lamar Jackson, they don't have a first-round pick that's mandatory to give up this offseason to Baltimore. So they have to wait until after the draft to get involved in that. But if he wants to play in Miami, he could wait this out now. Because there's no time limit on when he has to agree to terms. I still am hard-pressed to think that those teams were going to give him the guaranteed money he got uh, in Cleveland. In the last oh, negotiation. No no. no, no, you're talking about Watson? Yeah. They, they weren't, but it was the five, well, it was the my, extra year. It was the five year, 230 yeah. plus. What if you gave Jackson a three year contract? Guaranteed. That's fully guaranteed. Which is what Cousins got, but you're going to have to go way above that than what Minnesota gave him to leave Washington. It's going to be interesting. And now, now the, look, we've got a jet bringing the Jets yeah. to California to meet with Rodgers. And now we're going to have some Jets going different places where Lamar Jackson will be meeting with some different teams and start and the negotiation. And keep this in mind. I know that he's got a manager or something. He has no agent. It's him. It's the difference between him and Aaron Rodgers. There's no agent that's representing him. He is going to be meeting with these teams and giving the asking price. Not by himself, I don't think. There's going to be someone in the room with him, but he technically does not have an agent. Two first-round picks is a bargain for him. That's the way I feel. Former MVP. Trey Lance got three first-round picks. That, well, three, yes, but it was that year they swapped and yeah. then two more. So two, two and then the, the move back, yeah. basically, for the other one. And maybe some back-end back in draft picks as well. But yeah, I mean, it, now you have a chance to sign him to a deal. If you're going to get Watson, now you can get Jackson without all the baggage and the media coverage off the field. And you get a guy that's dynamic and is among the top 10 athletes in the entire league. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. John McClain joins us in about an hour and 15 minutes. Looking forward to that conversation. But, Chad, when we come back, the devil's favorite demon, Kane. <laughs> what, a, what an intro. That's Glenn him. Jacobs, Mayor Jacobs, That's joins him, us from Knox County. That's next. And I'll kick Isaac Yankum, DDS, next. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. We've been discussing Lamar Jackson getting the non-exclusive franchise tag with Baltimore. That means he's free to negotiate with other teams and then bring that offer back to Baltimore. The Ravens can match the offer. And if they don't, well, that team that he signs with gives Baltimore 
two first-round picks, the next two first-round picks, in return for signing Lamar Jackson. Diana Rossini is also reporting, Chad, that the Falcons are not going, at this time, not going to pursue Lamar Jackson. Uh, what's, my, what's, my, what's my theory on this, Hutton? Anytime there's one report out, yeah. it's from one person, the, yeah. then the person that's got a different contact to me, it's, no, 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 that's not true. And now we get the conflicting reports, one after the and other. because it's, it's just different parts of the organization talking to different people. Yes, They may not even know. What, whoever's talking to Diana Rossini may not know what's going on right now, one way or the other. How about this? Geno Smith, don't look at the $105 million over three years. Look at this year. It's a three-year contract that he agreed to in extension with Seattle. One year, $52 million is what he's going to make in year one. This year, 2023, 52 mil. Uh, that's more than what Aaron Rodgers made last year in last season. I think we saw Geno Smith's ceiling, personally. Glenn Jacobs is the mayor of Knox County, but you know him as Kane from the WWE. And he's got uh, something cool happening this Sunday. Uh, A&E's got a series running. Chad, I know you and I have been following this. Uh, biography, WWE Legends, Season 3 is underway. And this Sunday at 8 o'clock Eastern, two hours on Kane, our guest from WWE. And again, Mayor Jacobs, welcome to the show. Hope you're doing well. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Have you seen this two-hour docu-series so far? I have. It's the greatest bit of television in recent memory, actually. It's, it's really good, actually. Yeah. Uh, the biographies on WWE are, are amazing. But I'm just happy that they did one on me, and I think it turned out really well. I, I've seen almost all of these so far. I'm watching the one on Jake the Snake Roberts right now, which, wow. Uh, if you get a chance, definitely yeah. watch that. A lot of stuff I had no idea about in his childhood and throughout his life. Um, do, you, do you watch these routinely? Do you go back when you find out they're going to do one on you and kind of see what the vibe of these documentaries are? How many of them have you had a chance to see? I've seen a few of them, um, and it wasn't because they were going to do one on me, just because um, I was interested. I thought the one on Booker T was really, really well done. Um, I'm a big fan of Booker and to see about his life and, uh, the, the obstacles that he overcame to get to where he eventually ended up amazing. Uh, as you say, Jake, Jake's interesting life as well. I'm uh, Mick Foley uh, and, and others. So I just find him interesting because these are folks that I work with. I know. And in some cases it gives me uh, things that I didn't know about them, which is always pretty cool. WWE superstar Kane joins us on outkick 360s, the mayor of Knox County, Glenn Jacobs. So, are you, so we hear from actors who say, hey, I don't really like watching the film, the final product. I'd rather just move on to the next thing. Do you enjoy watching a biography on yourself? <laughs> uh, it is interesting. I think we may have lost audio on Mayor or, Jacobs. There he is. I think it's really cool. Um, so that, that part of it's neat. Um, you know, my parents were in this. They, I don't think I've ever been on broadcast TV before, so that's pretty cool. Uh, to hear my perspective from my wife and kids uh, is also uh, really neat. And then, of course, to hear the inside story from The Undertaker. It's, it's funny because there's stuff that Mark talks about, Mark Calloway, that I never really ask him. Even though we know each other very well, we talk pretty often, uh, just never thought to ask him what he thought about this or that. So I think that if uh, I found new things 
and uh, found it interesting because there was stuff and answers to questions that I didn't even know I had. I think the audience will really enjoy it. I'm sure there are multiple compliments you receive in this documentary that you didn't know was coming from some of the people interviewed about you and your, your career. Uh, you know, I, I'm reading <laughs> through some today. You know, Ric Flair called you one of the greatest of all time. Big Show called you the best big man in wrestling history. Uh, how cool is it, though, when your peers say things like that about you? Because as you know full well, there is a certain level of athleticism and artistry involved when you're that big and you're in the ring and you're wrestling people oftentimes a lot smaller. Yeah, it really is um, a tremendous compliment to hear people say those kind of things about you. Um, WWE is the major league's professional wrestling. I mean, it, and it is a professional sport. A little bit different, of course, than baseball, football, or basketball. But nevertheless, um, the people that do it are the very best in the world, extremely talented. Uh, and to think that I was at that level once uh, and the people who I consider the best in the world, like Ric Flair and Big Show and, and other folks, have very nice things to say about you. Uh, you know, what can you say? I mean, just it's, it's amazing. Was there a point where, and I, I'm looking at this from my perspective, if I were Kane, and if I'm the devil's favorite demon, what was the most <laughs> awkward location that you had to play that gimmick and work that role in front of that, that <laughs> specific audience? Uh, probably uh, just, you know, we, we actually, we did a bit once and, uh, it wasn't it wasn't Kane the monster, but it was corporate Kane, and I was selling hot dogs at the uh, Allstate Arena in Chicago, and did a little thing with one of the other guys, and but in out in the crowd, so you, you didn't have that barrier that you normally have where you're in the ring and the ropes kind of separate you from everybody else. So that that was pretty wild. Uh, but I think any time that yeah you have that kind of interaction um, where you're with people who aren't part of the show uh, would, I don't know if it was always awkward. It was interesting. Uh, and yeah, sometimes very awkward because, you know, you're, you're I don't know. We, we I remember one time again, we filmed a commercial. We're playing tennis at Arthur Ashe stadium. And it's like me and undertaker dressed as Kane and the undertaker playing tennis. That ain't something you're going to see every day. That's amazing. I need to go back and watch. I'm going to be YouTubing that now yeah. during the break just to see that. Uh, so you go from, when you're informed that you're going to go from Isaac Yankum DDS to Kane and you're not going to speak, was that a relief to you or was that a problem for you thinking that, hey, a big part of this business is promos and being able to speak in the ring and that's being taken away from me? What did you think when, you, when this idea was formulating? I had the great advantage of Paul Bear was the person that spoke for me and he was much better at it than I would have been. Uh, so... That didn't really bother me. Um, now, eventually, as I as I moved through the Kane character, yeah, that became problematic because not being able to speak, not being able to express emotion—that's what the wrestling business WWE is really all about. Um, so I knew that at some point that was going to have to change, and I, and I pushed for that. Uh, but initially, no, and also that added a lot of mystique to the character. I mean, if Kane was this big, vicious monster. Uh, hidden behind a mask, but then could go out and uh, essentially quote lines from Shakespeare. Well, that probably wouldn't have worked either. So I, I really think that it was very well done. It was, it was actually perfect. Uh, and most of all, I was, I was uh, 
over the moon to be able to get the opportunity of a lifetime to be Kane, the Undertaker's brother. That was, you know, that's just something that uh, I never saw coming. And, you know, it would, you, you would never get a break like that uh, in a wrestling business. Just huge. Did you, uh, you obviously thought through your political career and where you wanted to get started. Did you think the Attitude Era version of Kane would help or hurt you? And how did you go about thinking that through and how, you, you knew you were going to ask the question. How did you go about preparing for that? And it is what it is. It's part of my life. Um, and I think that some people thought that I would try to run away from it or hide from it. I can't because it's who I am. <laughs> um, it was a double-edged sword, really. On the one hand, it helped me quite a bit because uh, it was a novelty um, and unique. So I could get a lot of press and a lot of media. But at the same time, you know, yeah, you have people that still stereotypically think that wrestlers are, you know, just dumb jocks. Um, I think we're putting that behind us because you have people like Dwayne The Rock Johnson who's doing all sorts of amazing stuff. John Cena doing some really great stuff. But nevertheless, uh, you know, that, that was uh, something that folks could take advantage of. So my challenge was not only uh, get my foot in the door, which I could do through my WWE background, but then to show people that I was actually uh, someone that knew what they were talking about. It's amazing looking back at that Attitude Era, which is the golden era to me of, of, of WWE, and thinking right. that you know you're devil's favorite demon, you're a Satan spawn, and you're maybe the least objectionable character in the ring because you didn't speak. I mean, go back and look what Triple H was saying, and The Rock was saying, and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Vince McMahon. It was and, everyone. I mean, you had a porn star wrestler, Val Venus, that was in the ring, and you were. I mean, it's fun. It's, I, I think you were perfect for the political career afterward because you got in the least amount of trouble as devil's favorite uh, demon. Yeah, I, you know, I never really looked at it that way, but I guess I guess you got a point. Um, I, but you know, again, though, you know, look what Dwayne's doing now. Um, he owns a dadgum football league, for <laughs> crying out loud. So it is, you know, and and of course, you know, Triple H is essentially running WWE and doing a great job. Uh, so it's also kind of neat to look back at that and then to see uh, where we've all uh, gone since that that attitude era. And I agree with you that was. Uh, to me, that was the golden era of professional wrestling. Is Vince back running the company? I see. I see the report that he's back in. But we asked Seth Rollins. He he joined us at uh, at the Super Bowl, and he was like, "Yeah, I heard that, but I haven't seen him." Yeah, actually, I don't know. Um, I I don't. I haven't. I haven't really talked to anybody. I saw the news, um, and you know, it's not surprising because uh, WWE, of course, is a huge part of Vince's life. Uh, but that's a question I can't answer. What's what's your relationship like with the company now in terms of, you know, you you play sports at a, at a, at a for a team or a college and there's alumni events and things like this. I'm sure someone stays in touch with you, but what is that process like now as an ex WWE superstar for you? I still do stuff with WWE, uh, you know, things like this, obviously, um, and some promotional things. Uh, still stay in very close contact, um, not only formally but also. Uh, just talking with people who were once colleagues and are now friends. Um, so, and then I, I hope that that continues for the rest of my life, no matter what I do. Glenn Jacobs has been our guest, uh, WWE superstar Kane. What was a bigger uh, uh, career highlight for you, being a WWE champion or portraying Tanker Lutz in MacGruber? 
because <laughs> and I, we say this in all honesty, it's one of Hutton and I's favorite comedies of all time. Yeah, is that movie, and you were a part of it. I'm gonna tell you guys a quick story. We were playing trivia with uh, in, at an office party one night, and the question was, "What movie featured Val Kilmer, Las Vegas, and X Five Warhead, or whatever it was?" Uh, and I couldn't remember. And really? then they said, that, "Yeah." Then the next clue is someone in this room played in the movie, and I went, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> so I would have to say the fact that I don't that I forgot when I was playing trivia about the movie that I would happily say have to say hands down WWE champion. Thank you so much for the time. We're looking forward to the A&E docuseries uh, biography. I recorded each WWE week. No, this one's going to be recorded as well. I'll, this I'll Sunday, watch this one live though. New, new episode this Sunday, two hours, uh, starts at eight o'clock Eastern and it's uh, featuring our, our guest Kane. Uh, Mayor Jacobs, thank you so much for the time and, and hopefully we'll see you in Knoxville at the, the next home game at Neyland. Sounds good. Thank you all. You got it. Thank you. Glenn Jacobs at Kane WWE is where you can I feel like him. last time we had him on live, if you remember, Hutton, we were behind this small... Yeah, we were at a picnic table. Yeah, it was a picnic table outside of a yep. bar. It was about 98 degrees on the afternoon. It was a Thursday afternoon for the first our, Thursday our night game of the Mike year. guest was in the middle. Guest Mike was in the middle. And I'm, I'm looking at this man <laughs> that's, you know, seven feet tall, 350 pounds behind us. I'm thinking, how in the world is he going to get his legs yeah, under here? Not, and it was the most spry... Like, easy process for him to get down and sit down in between us. I was amazed. He was in suit and tie, or at least a shirt and tie. Yeah, you're right. Not sweating. We're probably, you know, sweating like dogs sitting there in the sun. The guy still has it. He's got some, uh, he's got some nimbleness to him. If we ever have more time with him, I do want to ask about it. It feels like a profession where no one gets out unscathed physically. Yeah. But it, he, he seems to be true. doing pretty well. Yeah, I know there's been injuries along the way with him, yep. but no one's going to get through without any, you know, not at least one major injury, but he seemed to be doing pretty well. Yeah, and the bigger guys tend to have like knee issues, right? Yeah. But uh, I also think every time I see him, like, how many people ask you to choke slam them, you know, just upon command, like entertain me clown type stuff. But <laughs> like, I would love to have a video of, you know, Kane choke slamming me much like a lot of people would. But I wonder how, and I think maybe I did ask him, and he sort of joked. Well, liability-wise, it's not a good idea for yeah. me to go around choke slamming people. Really nice guy, Chad. The, the Dolphins are telling Armando Salguero that Tua is a part of their plan moving forward. Now, there's no reason to doubt that. But we last week, whenever we had Armando on, I was referencing a story, a report um, from multiple outlets, and they may have been picking up the same report. Um, but the fact that the week of the combine, there were reports that Greer, their GM, was not necessarily on board with that, that they were contemplating. They had not fully gone all in saying, yeah, two is the future. CBS Sports said this on Friday, and there were other national sites as well. But here is the, the graph from, from Armando at Outkick.com. So let's be, let's be clear here. The Dolphins are telling Outkick they are planning for Tagovailoa to remain their starter in 2023. And one source called the idea the club is exploring going in a different direction. Fundamentally not true. So there's that. But they have to bring in a vet. They're going to do that because there's no way you can go into the season thinking two is your guy based on what we saw last season with the concussion issues and the injury, the injury issues. Um, the most recent one kept him out for a month before he was cleared. It was in the off season when he was finally cleared through concussion protocol. 
And the NFL is going to tighten this policy even more. And they tightened it during the season because of him, because of his situation. And I'm not bemoaning that. They should. It was rough. I don't know how you fully go all in. It's a it's an interesting spot they're in. You pick up the fifth year option, I believe, because it's like twenty four or twenty five million dollars in year five as he goes into year four. But Chad, there's no way they can say two is the future. At best, at best, it's another prove it year, which he was on his way towards prior to the back to back concussions. One that was confirmed by the league, back to back concussions. And the final one being on Thursday Night Football in Cincinnati. I mean, I can understand saying we're committed to Tua playing this prove-it year with the fifth-year option because, not because they think Tua's the best option and is definitely going to stay healthy and not have issues with concussions and all those things, but because we don't want to sacrifice what it would take to go get that better option right now. So we'll see what we have here and then cut bait and run yeah. after this year with, with no real penalty at that point. So... I can see where the Dolphins are there with this. If they're saying two is the guy, no doubt about it, I don't understand that at all. Uh, that that can't be what you're thinking right now with him, based but, on the history. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, like the, the rookie contract that two is playing under right now allows them to go and acquire Bradley Chubb, right? Trade away, go pick up Bradley Chubb at the trade deadline, who remains on their roster. Uh, go and trade for Tyreek Hill and give him that big contract. Because you have a rookie contract quarterback, you can maneuver other positions that make everything around him great. So, you know, are they in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes? I doubt it based on their structure of the roster right now. But I do know Lamar Jackson had Miami on a list, a short list of teams he wants to play for. So, I mean, they, they could overhaul their structure and line of thinking to move forward with that. But as we saw in Baltimore, there is a very specific way you have to go about structuring your offense for Lamar Jackson. They traded away Hollywood Brown and it didn't pursue other wide receivers based on the fact that they wanted everything to be, you know, tight in line, inside the hashes, run first, tight in heavy, and that fits Jackson well. But over the course of the last three years, he's been throwing it better than some may perceive based on the 2019 um, NFL MVP season where it was unanimous. I, I feel... I feel like I would go all in for Lamar Jackson if I'm Atlanta. The reports are they're not doing that. If I'm Miami, I'd be intrigued. I don't know their current cap situation, though, because, again, you have a lot of money allocated to skill positions. And beyond that, Chicago. Chicago's the other one. I am I am growing a little bit more concerned that the market for Lamar Jackson isn't what Lamar Jackson wants. And he's about to find that out and have to come back hat in hand to Baltimore in the end of this. And this may be his best opportunity. Now, we also, we've been consistent. We believe the best opportunity to win is him in Baltimore. Yeah. They have set yeah. things up for him, and that's the best spot for him from a play standpoint right now. I think it's, I, I'm increasingly believing more and more that he's not, the market's not going to be what he wants. Coming up, news with Joe Mixon, plus Shaq has Deion Sanders back. This is Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Chad, we recapped and gave thoughts on Deion Sanders' outlook on recruiting at Colorado and even prior to that. It's on Rich Eisen show, I think, yeah. where he said it. Yeah, at the the Super Bowl, I believe. And, you know, they drew criticism because he was looking for a quarterback that had an extremely high GPA, two, comes from a two-parent household. Meanwhile, in contrast, defensive lineman, single-parent family, hungry, gritty, wanting to get after it in order to earn something to get a better life. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the difference between his quarterback and his defensive lineman and how he went about recruiting players. Many did not come to Deion Sanders' defense with this, but Shaquille O'Neal has. Shaq was on his podcast, the big podcast with Shaquille O'Neal, and had this to say about what Deion said about recruiting. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with what he said. You know why I have discipline? You know why I don't get in trouble? You know why I don't do dumb shit? Daddy would have whipped my ass. A lot of kids don't have that. A lot of kids have hardworking mothers that really have to work, and they grow up on their own. And you can go left or you can go right. Statistics show that's just how it is. But that's not what he was saying. That is what he was saying. He was saying the quarterback, you need to have a two-parent because the kid listens, he listens. Hey, man, be quiet. Yes. And then the ones that don't have the daddy, they're harder to raise. There's nothing wrong with that because you know what? He's spitting the truth. He's spitting the facts. So basically you're saying the defensive lineman is supposed to be, like, dumb? Yes. Oh, I, I want to, yes. Absolutely I, see, not. I want my defensive lineman hard. Yes. See, with we 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 talking codes. I understood exactly what he was saying. But y'all like to take every little sentence and every little word and literally break it down. This world's getting very soft. Yes, that's Shaq on his podcast. And Chad, what Dion is saying and what Shaq is agreeing to is not written in stone, hard letter, this is how it's going to be. They would make exceptions for a five-star defensive tackle who comes from a two-parent household, right? You would, yeah. You would do that. 4.2 uh, GPA. Whatever. Yeah, they're, yeah. Gonna, they're, they're not, not going to not recruit the player that's that way. That's he defensive is, end. He's describing the mentality of the player that yeah. he wants for that position. And he's not the only coach that would say this. He's the only coach that will say it on the record. That's the thing that we pointed out. Because you can hear this across the country. You're only going to hear it from Prime. Yeah, there are certain personality traits or background information about a player or a prospect that you're totally okay with at one position that you don't necessarily want at another position. That's what Deion Sanders is saying. I understood it. If you follow sports out there, I think you probably understand what he's saying. People get offended by it. I think we're in this perpetual cycle of if you say that I prefer my quarterback from a two-parent home, the automatic response from people are, well, what do you have against single mothers? Well, nothing. That's not saying anything derogatory about single moms. It's saying that two-parent homes, you have a mom and dad in the picture, and it's not one person working all the time to provide for the family. And oftentimes, what Shaq was just saying, the child kind of helps, you know, raises themselves in some ways a lot of times just because the mom or the parent can't be there when they're a single parent all the time. So that's that's the difference. It's not a just because it's saying you prefer this doesn't automatically have to be, well, that means this person hates this. If you prefer two-parent homes, you must hate single parents. No, that's not the case at all. Here's something I found with even with the Chris Rock stand-up special. Talks a lot about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. This is a hot-button issue with Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, Chris Rock. Comedians are firing off anti-cancel culture specials, one after the other. 
I listen to podcasts that cover pop culture. People that host podcasts, they hate this. They hate it. They were talking about the Chris Rock thing and said, I don't understand why everybody wants to talk about cancel culture. That is why you know that it's good that this is going on. If they hate it and people can't say any honest defense of it, then you know it's probably trending in the right direction. If the comedians can't do it, no my, one My can. point is, I think th- this, that's, this... That's what you're saying. This, like, uh, you know, we talked about the Novak Djokovic thing, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the less people want to talk about it or argue people on it, that's where we're having a cultural shift. I do think that we are headed away from cancel culture. Comedians have made fun of it. People speak out against it. And now, instead of people defending cancel culture... The response is, man, why do you have to talk about that, Chris Rock? Why you got to joke about that? Why you got to make 30 minutes of your set about that? Because I don't have a good response to it. That's basically what I'm hearing from people, right? So when they say, shut up, stop talking about it, that means that something good is happening. In fact, it comes full circle because now you have Kendrick Perkins on first take taking shots at the media members that have defended the NBA for years throughout this whole cycle. We'll get to that coming up later in the show. This is so dumb. From this morning. Uh, police reportedly responded to shots fired late last night in the area of Bengal star running back uh, Joe Mixon's home. Story at Outkick. Police responded to calls of shots fired in Anderson Township, Ohio. They left a minor injured, according to Fox 19. It's not known, uh, at least when the story was written, if the child was hurt or not. Minor injuries, I believe, are the details there. But initially, police put crime scene tape around a home on Ayers Road before pivoting attention to Joe Mixon's house. This is all from the same report. This is, of course, it, it will bring up the 2014 situation with Mixon where he was charged with punching a woman at a cafe in the face and br- breaking multiple bones. This is it was on go, camera. Go on camera and going into his freshman season where he's suspended for a year. Big saga throughout college football then, and it sticks with him now. This is also, going back on the date here, it's February 3rd of last month. Case This is through Yahoo Sports. Case filed on Thursday against Bengals running back Joe Mixon dismissed on Friday morning. Prosecutor's office told Hamilton County that the city has requested the case be dismissed for additional time. But here's the case. Not this one. It goes to uh, other charges. The arrest warrant was issued after Mixon allegedly pointed a gun at a woman in downtown Cincinnati last month. According to court documents, Mixon said, quote, you should be popped in the face. I should shoot you. The police can't get me. Misdemeanor warrant was for one count an aggravated menacing, and this was charged in Ohio. This was the, uh, reportedly, allegedly, the day before the Bengals took on the Bills in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Point being, this isn't Today, talking about mixing something that's been popped up on the Bengals' radar. And while these charges are dismissed, it doesn't mean the charges are going away. They wanted additional time to investigate this. And now there are spotty details about what was happening last night with a Nerf gun outside and then a, a real gun fired by someone within this household. Um, craziness. And it's honestly tough to get full details on what's happening right now. And um, the league doesn't have to have charges stick to, that's right. do, to discipline. So that's something I'd watch out for. They don't. They don't need all this. And, and look, if if only there was a way to know that you know maybe something might happen with this guy at some point. I mean, this was the knock when he was going into the league was the video of him punching a woman. Yeah. And it had a lot of people outraged that he's even playing football. 
So, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but it doesn't really surprise me that we're talking about, you know, additional incidents now with Joe Mixon. I hope he figures it out. I hope all of this is just some lie that's made up and that he's innocent of this, but it's likely not the case. Here's another thing I take away from that story. I love townships. At some point, really? I'd, love to, I'd love to live in a township. Well, isn't it the same as a county? I don't know anything about Anderson Township, but I'd like to live in a place that goes all, by township. I've always thought it's the same as a county. It's, it's a very, uh, you know, like there's commonwealths, right? Massachusetts, Kentucky, Virginia are known as commonwealths and not states. Yes. I think it's just another name for a town, not necessarily the county. They're, they're all over New Jersey. So I know New Jersey, I, apparently Ohio has townships also. But whenever I hear township, it's just really a fancy way of saying a place. And I, and I like it. I'd well, love for my address at some de- point to be, you're going to have to send that to Anderson Township. That's where I live. Are you going to declare your property that you recently purchased a township? I think we Might should. as well. Like everything around it, you know, you can just draw the districts every year different. <laughs> it's just your property. We'll just have a district and just call it Withrow Township. And that's where my address Sovereign will be. Government. You can send everything to Withrow Township. Sovereign. Or I just, I, I, or I just, you know, spell it one way and pronounce it another one, like Alec Murdaugh. I'll just call it something. Whatever else. you want to call it. It's spelled T O W N, but it's pronounced Township. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's spelled C O U N T Y, like County, but it's it's actually pronounced Commonwealth. That's how you pronounce it. The pressure mounts on the single bid conference tournaments. Chad has the latest there. Plus, Tom Brady being mentioned as a potential return to the NFL. He's responded on that. That's next on Outkick 360.